Hello, my name is Bill Coughlin, and welcome to the First Person Civil War podcast, which retells the stories of the soldiers and officers on the ground in the battles of the Civil War. Our fourth episode is entitled Frederick Fisterer and the Regular Brigade in the Cedar Forest at the Battle of Stones River and relies on the point of view of First Lieutenant Frederick Fisterer, who was the adjutant for the 2nd Battalion, 18th U.S. Infantry. He published his book after the war entitled The Regular Brigade of the 14th Corps, the Army of the Cumberland, in the Battle of Stone River or Murfreesboro, Tennessee, from December 31, 1862 to January 3, 1863. Born in Germany in 1836, Frederick Fisterer emigrated to the United States and completed an enlistment in the U.S. Army in California before the war began. Frederick volunteered again with the regular army on 31 July 1861 while in Medina County, Ohio. As part of the 18th Infantry, Lieutenant Fisterer was at the Siege of Corinth, Mississippi in May of 1862 and the Battle of Perryville in October of the same year. The 18th, along with the 15th, 16th, and 19th U.S. Infantry Regiments, formed the Regular Brigade, by order of Major General Rosecrans, the Union Army of the Cumberland's commander. These regiments were interspersed prior to its formation in December of 1862, with some posted across Tennessee while others were a part of separate brigades in the Army. The regular brigade completed its organization on 25 December 1862, the day before the Army marched south from Nashville toward Georgia. It was now part of the three divisions that formed the center, commanded by Major General Thomas, in the 1st Division under General Rousseau. On the first day of battle, 31 December 1862, the Union Army of the Cumberland, which was named after the river that flows through Tennessee and Kentucky, faced the Confederate Army of Tennessee, which was named after the state, in vicinity of the western bank of Stones River, which was also north and west of the closest town of Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Just as a side note, some battles of the Civil War had differing names because the Union and Confederacy had differing methods in naming them. The United States named their armies and battles after bodies of water, if there was one close to a battle, while the Confederacy named their armies after regions or states, and the battles after the closest town, if there was one. On the southern part of the battlefield, at approximately 6 a.m., the Confederate Army conducted a successful advance against the Union Army's right wing and proceeded to push the three divisions under the command of General McCook back for several hours. As the right wing retreated, General Thomas began coordinating a second line of defense using his three divisions. At about 9 a.m., General Thomas ordered his first division under the command of General Rousseau which included the regular brigade, to form a line of battle along a cedar forest, which the regular brigade became a refused line on the extreme right and faced west. 
Due to confused orders, a portion of the regulars, along with Battery H, 5th U.S. Artillery, advanced ahead of this line to an open field just in front of Wilkinson's Turnpike and briefly engaged advancing Confederate forces until the entire brigade reunited back in the wood line. Of their first meeting the enemy, Lieutenant Fisterer says, At this point, the 19th was shifted from the left to the right wing between the 15th and 16th, thereby equalizing the strength of the two wings more nearly. While in this position, the line facing southwest, the brigade, the battalions of the 18th, and the battery especially, were exposed to an enfilading artillery fire, and that meaning firing down the length of the line. The brigade was not long in position when General Sheridan's troops began to come out of the woods, followed shortly after by the enemy, whose further advance was resisted by it. And he continues that the enemy formed and made a desperate charge on Gunther's battery. That is the battery alongside the regular brigade. The enemy advanced boldly and bravely. Gunther turned his admirably served guns on him and with the fire of his supports broke the column which made four gallant efforts to continue the charge, but melted away under the dreadful fire. Their battle flag went down three times in succession. By this point in the battle, Negley's and elements of Sheridan's divisions formed on Rousseau's left flank, and the Union line in the Cedars now became the focal point of Confederate attacks. While fighting on this second line continued, General Negley's division ran out of ammunition and had to retire to the rear, which made the position in the Cedar Forest untenable. Major General Thomas ordered Rousseau's division at around noon to hold in the Cedars until ordered to withdraw. While they held, General Thomas could focus on stabilizing the third line along the turnpike and railroad to their north. This action, according to General Thomas, would buy time for a third line, and the official military term is to delay. While General Rousseau's men continued to engage with the Confederates, all other divisions in that vicinity would retire to the third line, and the first division would have to fight alone. Lieutenant Fisterer says of this action, as soon as the front of a battalion was clear of our retiring troops, its fire commenced. This waiting for our men to retire, and meanwhile receiving the enemy's fire without being able to reply, was the most trying time of all. And he continues, The first line of the enemy were scattered like chaff. The second line brought to a halt and held. Keep this next line in mind for later. The report of the men, especially, is that there was a third line, which coming up, fixed bayonets, and with the remnants of their other two lines, prepared for a charge. General Negley, with some of his men, which was a different division, united with the 15th, our right, meaning the extreme right flank of the division, and below is how the division was arrayed, which formed on the left flank of the regular brigade and with them resisted the advance of his pursuers. Part of Scribner's brigade formed on Negley's right. John Beatty covered the left and rear of the brigade. Officers and men were falling all along the line, 
but not a man turned his back to the enemy. Everyone stood up to his work and strove to be worthy of the hope placed in him and to do credit to the regular brigade. This third assault was also thwarted by Russo's division. The Union line completed its stabilization by the end of the third wave's attack, and the entire 1st Division was ordered to retreat to the third line. After reforming within the new line, the regular brigade participated in the next two days of the battle, but it was not as heavily engaged as it was on 31 December, mostly due to the heavy casualties it suffered. General Thomas cited the regular brigade's gallantry in his report following the battle and credited them alongside the 1st Division in allowing the center to form the third line of battle. At the end of Lieutenant Fisterer's book, he provides a casualty list of the brigade with a grim comparison to the losses of the Army of the Cumberland as a whole. The regular brigade entered the Battle of Stones River with 1,566 men and lost a total of 630 men, killed, wounded, and captured. He says that 6.6% of all casualties at the battle was from the regular brigade, with only two other brigades, which were not present in the Cedar Forest, as having higher casualty rates. This fact is confirmed by General Rousseau after the battle, as he said that the regular brigade on his right flank witnessed the heaviest fighting and suffered the heaviest losses in the Cedars. The 2nd Battalion, 18th Infantry's commander, Major Frederick Townsend, estimates the entire delaying action of the 1st Division was over 20 minutes. Lieutenant Frederick Fisterer continued service in the Union Army and was present at battles such as Chickamauga, Missionary Ridge, and the Atlanta Campaign, which he was awarded the brevet rank of captain. Brevet ranks were commonplace in the Union Army and were often awarded after a gallant action on the battlefield. These promotions also served a purpose of field necessity, given that official promotions took longer to come to fruition. After the war, Frederick Fisterer remained in the regular army until 1870. His final length of service was in New York around 1900, where he earned the rank of Brevet Major General. Lieutenant Frederick Fisterer published the book used as the primary source for this episode in 1883, entitled The Regular Brigade of the 14th Corps, the Army of the Cumberland, in the Battle of Stone River or Murfreesboro, Tennessee, from December 31, 1862 to January 3, 1863. But he left out a critical piece of the story of the 2nd Battalion, 18th Infantry, and by extension, the regular brigade at the battle. On 12 December 1894, Frederick Fisterer was awarded the Congressional Medal of Honor. His citation reads, Voluntarily conveyed under a heavy fire, information to the commander of a battalion of regular troops, by which the battalion was saved from capture or annihilation. The citation was awarded for his actions on 31 December 1862, and while a bit vague on the details, is no doubt directly linked to the 18th Infantry and the regular brigade's stand in the Cedar Forest. As an adjutant, 
He carried messages or reports when he was not fighting alongside the men of the 2nd Battalion, 18th Infantry Regiment. The way he framed the final Confederate assault on their line reads like he was not there. Just to reiterate, he said, the report of the men, especially, is that there was a third line. While the regular brigade halted this final advance, Lieutenant Fisterer may have been in the process of delivering reports when he received the order to inform his battalion to fall back to the third line. Thank you for listening to the fourth episode. If you like what you heard today and would like to hear more episodes in the future, please consider supporting us financially by donating the podcast website, firstpersoncivilwarpodcast.com. Again, that is firstpersoncivilwarpodcast.com. While there, you can find information on where I found these first-person accounts, other source material, and links to further episodes of the podcast. If you have a comment about the podcast, there is a contact page you can use to get in touch with me through email. I would very much like to hear from you. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on your favorite app and like the episodes, as well as give them a rating. This helps with the algorithms and can expand the audience. And just as a final note, the podcast received one donation this week. I really do appreciate the support. And with that, my name is Bill Coglin, and thank you for listening to First Person Civil War Podcast.